coffee and a little bit of conversation. Welcome to Conversations and Coffee podcast. Today I'm chatting from Zoom as the global pandemic. We've no choice but to chat through the internet. We would have been meeting face to face. We actually planned to meet face to face in the in the uh, past there, Georgia, but uh, yeah. different things came about and we couldn't make it happen. But we've made it happen. And um, for people tuning in that aren't familiar with you, some people will probably already follow you. Um, but what exactly do you do? And kind of give us a bit of a background about how you kind of got to where you are right now. Oh, it's a loud question, brother. <laughs> I leave. It'll probably take an hour to answer that. Yeah. So what I do right now, I don't like to. I don't like to box myself into <clears throat> to anything, to be honest with you. But I suppose I'm in the health game, you know. So um, most of the stuff that I do is working with people one on one, or um, doing corporate seminars, or running retreats and um, workshops men's work and yeah so like it revolves i initially started with fitness do you know what i mean um i left the army in 2015 and obviously like in there it was fitness was a big thing and i really got into fitness in the army because it was an easy way to get time off basically so during the day like if you weren't doing anything you'd be snagged for jobs, you know what I mean? So if you're floating around, they'd be looking for people for random, horrible fucking tasks to do. And as long as you were training, well, at least in the unit that I was in for, for most of the time, if you were training, because the sergeant major was big into fitness, he would let you go and do your thing, you know what I mean? So training was an easy way to do something that I enjoyed because I was always into martial arts and training anyway, but also just like, yeah, it was a great way to, to get time <laughs> out of the monotony of, of barracks life, which in the army, like that any soldier would tell you. That. Say again? That was your scapegoat, like your go-to to kind of keep you occupied. Yeah, yeah just, yeah, because like any soldier will tell you that barracks life, like everyone wants to be down to kill shit, you know, everyone wants to be shooting the guns and, you know, running around fields and hiding and doing all that cool stuff. Well, I've had an ex-army, um, an ex-army guy on before as well, Anthony Donegan. He's now a public speaker, a motivator, and he does all these events. And he's a brilliant, brilliant guy. But I'm really interested. I can ask this question now. I know it might be spurring off. We'll get back to kind of that. But just while we're on it, why did you want to join the army? And then why did you leave? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, as a young flit, I suppose I was a little bit ideological. Do you know what I mean? In that. Like, I'm very different, or I'm very different now than I was then, but I think at the time, I didn't want to go to college, and I wasn't interested in academia, and it just seemed like an adventure, a cool way to do something that's a little bit different. It was still a job that was, like, had social standing, do you know what I mean? So, like, it wasn't, like, a, a dead-end job. So, it kind of, it, it ticked a lot of boxes when I looked at it from the outside in terms of, you know being adventurous and like i wanted to i wanted to go off and do the army shit you know and I, when i joined i was fully wanting to soldier like as in be active in the field um and i i, I wanted that you know and when i look back on that now i see the whole bubble of what the the military is and what all of that shit is who you're fighting for and what you're doing it's completely twisted and warped you know but back then you know you're simpler when you're younger and it just seemed like a 
a cool thing to do and I, I always wanted to do it. And I suppose in a, in a certain respect, there's a rite of passage there as well in terms of I never felt like martial arts was the only place that I'd gone through proper rites of passage and been tested and, you know, been put through hardship and come out the other side and grown from it. So I already had a taste for that. But with the military, it's like eight months to a year, you know, it's that initial like bedding in period, the recruit training is, is a long period of time. So it just seemed like a cool challenge and I wanted to see could I do it. And yeah. So then like I loved that portion of it, but after you get out of the, the training phases, if you're not going overseas, there's a lot of monotony involved in it, you know? So like they, in the army, they say, you know, wait for three weeks and then fight for three minutes, you know, that type of thing. It's like, there's a lot of waiting around and then, that can be building up suspense yeah and just like boredom you know insane boredom like and you hear that of soldiers in war as well where it's just like complete boredom followed by like terrifying absolute chaos and madness you know but uh yeah i think they yeah, paint a different picture jody don't they i mean you can watch some yeah, sure. it looks like it looks like you know every young lad's dream to hold a gun and shoot things and yeah. But then when you actually think of kind of like when you hear about people with PTSD and stuff and you hear about all these people that literally their lives just will never be the same because of the stuff they've mm -hmm. seen, because of the people they met, those people aren't here anymore. They could have been in that situation and it kind of puts reality into a perspective. And just funny what you say with the boredom thing, like the guy I had on, Anthony Donegan, who was in the army, he told me like he'd slip off on his lunch breaks and whatever and he'd just go to the library. And like he'd just be picking up all these random books and just reading chapters from. He mightn't even take the book out with him. Like the guy, the people in the library probably seen this guy coming in in his army uniform, picking <laughs> random books. But he said he just read, read, read. But I, I took something different from that. I don't know if I was meant to, but I took something different that like he was leaving the barracks to like find something. It was like he was searching for something in these books, mm -hmm. and then like when he left the barracks and left the army altogether, he. Just, you just realize well, I can read whenever I want. I can do whatever I want. And I don't know if that, if you can relate to that, like with the fitness end of things. That's why I wanted to ask you because I suppose you clearly had, at a young age, you know, you had to make an opportunity. You had to make a decision, and that just all the boxes were ticked was the army. But as soon as you kind of were growing up, you were probably trying to find yourself, and then you probably had this different Jody inside that was trying to mm -hmm. express himself but couldn't in the army. Is that right? That's definitely true. Like, like it's it, the army definitely suppresses your own individuality. Do you know what I mean? It's it's very like suppressive in in that regard, and it's taken me like a long time to find who I am again. And it's not even anything to do with war or to do with anything like that. It's just the reason that young lads are attracted to the army is because of that rite of passage. I think because we don't get tested now, and it's like a natural thing. If you look at cultures all over the world, ancient cultures they all have rites of passage for men and women. And these are like times when the old you, it's a death and a rebirth, you know, the old you dies and you get to reinvent yourself. And that's a beautiful thing. So it becomes a stage where it's like, okay, you're no longer a kid now. You're expected to be mature and be an adult and, and act in a certain way. But we don't have those distinctive things built into our culture now. So I think things like the army, they, they model that rite of passage. You know, it's all built around the rite of passage. Like you lose your identity when you join. Um, 
and you become a number, you know, and then like even when you at the time when you're training, you're not um people aren't allowed to speak to you. Like people who are are in the army already, they're not allowed to speak. You have to run everywhere. You don't get to do anything of your own accord. Every second of your day is controlled and you completely lose your individuality. You know, and that's like an ego death. It's a quasi-ego death. It, it's not a true rite of passage because in a real rite of passage, the point is to make the person grow. So it's to, you know, turn that person into a functioning, responsible part of society and to understand that we're all together in this. But with the military, it, it's it's a pseudo rite of passage because they're using that same process, but they're actually using it to break you down and then build you up under their conditioned way of thinking and really what they're looking for is obedience you know at the end of the day it's all about doing what you're told and not questioning it like so there's i remember in training um we were talking about like orders you know and, and you have to learn a certain amount of military law because they have their own military system inside of the army or their own sorry their own law system inside of the army and the question came up of like, if someone gives you illegal order, so say an officer told you to do something that you know is illegal, the way you deal with that is not to not do the thing, it's to do it, follow the order, and then appeal it afterwards. So you, you don't, like if you were told to do something that was completely fucking illegal, you don't even have the right to say, hang on, that's illegal. You know, it's like you follow the order and then afterwards you can appeal it. it. Yeah, yeah, but you would still be liable, like if you did something outrageous. Um, but that's that's the game. It's all about obedience. So they break you down, but they don't they don't build you up and empower you to be a functioning member of society. You know, and that's why a lot of military guys have trouble when they come out because they're completely institutionalized into that way of of living. You know, and it's very hard then when you come out to make your own choices and do your own thing and all yeah, those parts the whole thing going from those type of rule sets and stuff like when I talk to Mark William Logan about his journey mm. and you know being involved in football and that and I remember him actually I, I, I actually arranged the whole podcast with him I went had in my head from what I only you know learned in that couple of weeks um, and I actually remember him now and I remember him going to see him playing in Richmond Park but the guy I was sitting across from in Collective Dublin in town wasn't the guy that I thought was playing on that football pitch so what I'm trying to basically say is he's cl- he's clearly found himself uh, I'd say he's still evolving I'd say he's clearly still learning and growing and um, trying to understand who he really is because I suppose it's a, it's a learning experience for us all but can you relate to that like what do you think yeah. what do you think allowed you and when was that kind of eureka moment where you went, that's what I want to do. And you know what? This is what I want to do. You mean after after the army or at that point where I decided, yeah. Well, I would say that like I was probably an outlier in terms of the army because I, <laughs> the way I grew up, I always had a healthy disrespect for authority. Like So I grew up in inner city Dublin and I wasn't an angel by any stretch of the imagination. Do you know what I mean? So I had no... I had, very little respect for authority, which is why it was a weird paradox. My mom and dad are like complete hippies and they were they were like, what the fuck are you doing joining the army? Like they were trying to dissuade me from it, you know? And uh, 
because I, I'd never had to live that way. And like my mom knew that I didn't handle like being told what to do very well. <laughs> so, and then you yeah. go down a path that constantly yeah. requires you to listen. And well, in fairness, it was probably a test, and you probably learned a lot from it. Well, I have a theory about that in that you know the way kids rebel, you know. So if if parents have if parents are really strict with their kids, you know, the kid ends up being a wild card and rebelling. I think like my parents did such a good job. Like my parents were split up, so I lived with my mom, and I saw my dad every week or two weeks or something like that. But um, they did such a good job of never putting boundaries on me and making me establish my own boundaries. And like looking back now. Was fucking genius because I always had guilt about doing things or getting caught because I didn't want my ma to be disappointed in me. Do you know what I mean? But she never, she never like put the hammer on me in terms of discipline. So I think in a weird way that was like me rebelling against that, like you know what I mean, non-disciplinary way <laughs> of growing up or something. I don't know, but anyway, it, yeah, like I like I really enjoyed the army for the first one or two years, three years, maybe even up to the first five, like, but there's very little, there's very little progression. And after you get out of training, like you're really fired up and you've been soldiering like solid for a year. And then it just comes to a screeching halt and there's a lot of boredom there. And as you grow older, you, you like, it's much easier to take shit when you're a young fella because you're just used to taking shit off everyone. Like when you're young, like everyone's giving you shit, you know, you're doing everything wrong. You know, everything is like a learning process. And so it's much easier to take crap off people when you're young. And then when you get a little bit older and you start to question things and you gain a bit of experience, you know, your perspective starts to shift. Um, and I think that started early on, like a couple of years in. And then I did different things, went to different courses to try and keep myself interested in it. And then yeah, I knew like I knew that I wanted to leave for a long time before I actually left. You know, but, um, the problem in the army, the the seed was planted. It just took a little bit of time for you to probably. It took a lot of time for me to, to understand and realize that I was only staying there from a place of ego. Like in reality, there's a lot tied up in those jobs of what people think of them and the like, the social kudos that goes with it, or the 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 you know, a respectable job. People that are impressed when you tell them you're in the army, you know? And I think maybe that side of it might oh, yeah. go. Yeah, I would yeah. be. Yeah, you like, know, so there's, I think a lot of guys stay in for that reason, like that it, there's a certain amount of, you know, kudos attached to it. And it just, it's an ego boosting thing, even if you hate the job and you just are miserable, which a lot of guys are in there, you know? Um, because you're it's very impressive. image and role in society then, like with, your fellow peers or people that you may know, it's like some people would rather probably, you'd be happier probably cleaning toilets or flipping burgers at McDonald's, but people would rather take that hit and probably do it just for the status. It's much harder to leave then, do you know what I mean, than beforehand making the choice to go in and leave. So yeah, once you're in and you're earning money and the money was decent, was good at the time, like I was, I was on really good, at the time and they've changed a lot of things now but yeah all that stuff just compounds and like makes you question is this the right choice you know once you're out you're not getting back in and like there are good times that are in there between all the monotony and boredom and oppression <laughs> but um i just realized over time that, that i was 
pretty fucking miserable to be honest with you. When you kind of then start finding yourself the real Joey Kennedy, did you feel mm-hmm. then right now I'm now I'm a, I'm a butterfly? Yeah, like in the year that I left and the year before just before I left, I, I went over to Peru and I spent a month over there with um Don Howard Lawler, who was like He's, he's as close as you're going to come to a real-life Gandalf in this world. And uh, he's dead now. God bless him, but what an amazing man. But I spent a month there in that retreat doing um, both ayahuasca and wachuma, which are like the, the male and female side of the Peruvian um, and, and the South American kind of healing system, you know. And it's all about contacting with the plants and, and learning from the plants. And, uh, yeah, that was like the biggest pivot point in my life you know after that like I learned so much about myself what I actually want who I actually am and what I don't want all the things that were wrong in my life and um, that I was doing wrong were were shown to me in that space of time so yeah when I, I came back from that I knew I was ready to be somebody else essentially you know and I knew that I wasn't being all that I could be um, and there was a lot of information there like in the space of that month like I did so many ceremonies that there was so much information downloaded that it took me a good year to sort through all that shit so I actually went through a pretty dark period after that um, I think because I was going through such a big change big. in such a short space of time you know so um, like a, a, and a bit of advice I'd give to anybody that's that's going to to experience plant medicine is to uh do your work beforehand you know and and like meditate do the self-development work before you go and have those tools in place so that when you come back and you reintegrate which is the hard bit that you are going to be much more equipped to reintegrate all of those teachings back into your life um because for me it was like a hard flip you know and it, it hit me hard like so and coming out of the army at the same time and having that element of like institutionalization there at the same time and um, it took me a good year to sort through all that stuff and kind of get back on my feet you know so it's not all like people think about plant medicines and and it's kind of groovy now to go and do these things but there's it's pandora's box you know once you crack that seal open you better be prepared to deal with whatever's inside because you can't put the lid back on. So um, whatever work has to be done is going to be done then, you know, or it's going to keep plaguing you until you do it. Yeah, a, a lot of these compounds, uh, and personally, I'm, I'm a fan of natural compounds. So, you know, uh, and the ancestral rituals around how, like, it's all an experience. Like when you smoke dmt in somebody's living room on a saturday night all of that ritual and ceremony is missing as well and like but what your friend experienced is like what a lot of people experience when they experiment with these compounds which is a kind of death of the ego you know and that you get removed from yourself in a certain way and you get to view your world self objectively the outside as a stranger would and it's a it's a really like we think we know ourselves until we step back and get an actual look at our own insecurities and fears and where they come from and 
the death of the ego there, that like smashing of the ego is is part of a, an awakening and it's part of, of growing, you know, and that's like what rites of passage kind of achieve as well in, in a certain respect. And a lot of rites of passage use these compounds as part of the, the ceremony and part of the ritual so that you, like the death of the child ego and, and the growth of a healthy, mature ego, you know. So sounds like what your friend experienced was something along those lines. And mm-hmm. um, I think that's like the probably the major benefit that a lot of people get from from these, especially for Western people. Like we live built around profit, it's built around growth. It's all it's all ego massaging, you know, how much stuff have I got? How much money have I got? How big is my house? It's all about external validation. Um, rather than that actually, it's crazy Jody because that actually happened to me without any substance or without any mm. um, without any like use of something to enhance it it just happened to me I guess like I when you talk about being like told what to do and that like you're from the north you're from the inner city like I'm from south Dublin um, like Crumlin and Drimna so like the police would pull up to us all the time when we were just playing football and you'd be told to move on and you always kind of had this attitude towards them then when I was in school then and I would have been getting told what to do and I would have rebelled against that and then from first year I think I was involved in an incident where like a couple of people were in trouble for something and because I was in that group I was kind of basically labelled and tagged and the eye was on me for the rest for the rest of the school journey so like probably sixth year I got out of it because I'd really tried to branch away and experiment with who I was but when I started working and stopped hanging around with certain individuals I started to really find myself and like when I was hanging around with certain individuals I would have like dressed like them and we were all basically sheep going around in the same types of runners tracksuits and whatever jackets and everything but as soon as I stopped hanging around with them I started to like right hang on a second what do I like what do I want to do? You know? And I think my girlfriend was a big help with that too. Cause she would always be real like, you know, yeah, get that, you know, get that weird hat or try that jacket on that. You probably think you get laughed at in. Like, so I always was able to then be myself. But when I look back on the whole school thing and, and growing up and stuff, it was never in serious trouble or anything. Thank God. But when I look back on it, I'm like, I probably wouldn't have changed it because it was a huge learning experience for me that now the person I've become, I know what I want and I know what's good for me. And I know that, you know, when someone's telling you to do something, they're only really doing it for your own benefit most of the time. And what you end up doing and the situations you find yourself in, the environments or the various different uh, company you may be in, that's heavily influenced by the people you hang around with. I'm very grateful that I still get along with all those people really well. If I see them, I chat to them for hours upon hours, but the relationship we grew up and we got a little bit older and that, and we haven't really got as much time as we'd like to, but when you talk about the material things and stuff, like when I chatted with Mark, like I could relate to so much stuff he was saying that, you know, it's not about that. It really isn't about that. And I see that on your Instagram too, Jody, like you're always trying to connect with nature and, you're always like trying to spend time outdoors. Like I could go onto your Instagram and you're doing a feckin' handstand. And I'm like, I can't do that. Like, do you know what I mean? You're always mm-hmm. trying to like 
you know, it's like, from my view, it nearly looks like you're treating this world like it's a playground and you're just, you're just like, just having fun and you really genuinely don't seem to care what people think about you in a good way, not in a negative way, in a way that like, you know, what seems to be the key to making you happy. And that that's my opinion on you. And I think why I wanted to get you on wasn't about the army because I didn't even know about the army. It wasn't about mixed martial arts because I didn't know about that. It wasn't about the ayahuasca or your trip to Don Howard or anything. It was more about allowing people that are going to tune in to be like, oh, yeah, I've heard about this guy. Mm. Yeah, right. We've all heard about Joe Bloggs and whoever it may be. But let's try really find out what he's really like. And that's what I try to do with the podcast. And I feel like if we've went from the army, we've went from, you know, your trip to Peru what I'd like to do with the rest of the podcast would be kind of like when you got over that dark patch and, you know, you got through it clearly and you came out the better side of it, but what happened then and how did we get to right now? Yeah. So I, I think all of that was just, that's part of your journey, you know, and there's no positive or negative um, aspects to it because it all contributes to who I am now and, and, like how I live now, do you know? So if all of that was different, I'd be different now and who knows what way I'd be, you know? So Are you um, happy it all happened the way it did? How can you whether you're happy or unhappy, it is, you know, and it you is. have to be at yeah, you have to be at peace with that. Like who knows? It, it like maybe I wouldn't have met Mark or maybe I wouldn't have met Colin Bourne who was on here, you know, like all of these amazing people that like I'm honored to be sharing space with you here and standing on the shoulders of giants like these, like Colin was a great mentor in my life years and years and years before um, when I was a young fella, you know, and, and I know Colin that long and like people like him impacted me in a lot of ways to, to be, to be non-apologetic to a certain extent about, and I, I had that kind of in me already, but I think after all of that experience and, and experiencing like, the death of my old self in some way that and um, that sounds kind of cheesy but that's really no, the way, no, the way like, it felt you know yeah. is that like I, like even when I came when I came back I remember Eva, my wife saying to me like whoa you're so different like you're so different and she still says it to, the, to this day you know and that I just started to I started to appreciate people more for who they are with their faults I think I used to be a lot more a lot more judgmental of people um, just naturally yeah yeah just like uh, you know so and so does that and not thinking about like the underlying things of like everybody has their story like everybody out there has their traumas their stories that shape who they are and that's what you're dealing with is wounded people you know we're all we're all wounded in some way and like remembering that when you're when you're communicating with people and when you're in relationships with people is a game changer because it takes it takes your ego out of the equation in that oh this is all being done to me because that's all ego you know that person did this to me but looking at it from a point of view of like why did that person do that you know what's their story and why is it triggering me like um and looking at your own your own observing your own um reactions to things and that was the first time in my life that i'd started to see these processes in action you know um and starting to just yeah there was a point where i was like 
do you know what this makes me happy like running around on my bare feet makes me happy i don't care if people think it's fucking ridiculous it, it's something that i love and that is part of me but also that i feel like other people should be doing um, and just sharing the things that that are truly me and seeking that authentic part of myself and trying to bring it out more and more and like it becomes addictive to a certain degree because you start to find out all this like getting to learn to to know a person all over again you know and you're learning all these things about yourself and and kind of chill out quality to it um yeah and that's like that's driven me to just be more social like i was always a social person but i really value friends now i really value like social interactions and i understand how much i enjoy being with people and how much that gives me power you know how much that empowers me to to be me and the big thing is like finding the right people so a lot of people in your life maybe secretly aren't looking out for the best for you you know in that like they they don't necessarily say again like you mean like a mutual benefit like whereas they'll they'll push where they can still benefit nearly or like you provide a certain say say if you're in an amount of pain sometimes that can like give people it can make other people like feel better about themselves you know so maybe having somebody that's like in turmoil or in pain in their life gives makes them feel a little bit better about themselves to some degree and then would a good example of that be i'm just thinking of this off the top of my head because i can relate to it we just say for argument's sake right so we've got me you mark and colin we say just because the names that we've mentioned already and we're all friends and we're all in the same company and we're carrying on about our business and you know we meet up for a point and we're sitting around and we're talking and mark sharing all the great things in his life you're sharing all the great things that's happened Mm -hmm. in your day colin the same me and then out of nowhere you know someone might store up something start a bit of drama and i find i don't know if if this is right in what i'm saying but i find some people thrive on that drama they get energy from it and Mm -hmm. it keeps them on their toes and it's why unfortunately i'm saying this it's why a lot of people are friends they're friends in groups because they thrive on that drama Um, Mm. and i find like we just say us four the people i've named are in the same company and you feel you're closer to one of them more than i am so you might start that drama in Mm. which will in turn result in me and that person falling out or having an argument and oh yeah you're nothing to do with it oh no completely none of your business sitting back with the popcorn enjoying the show and i find that's what happens a lot of the time now and like what you just said there with you know i don't think it's always the case but like when somebody might be feeling down or you know especially in this day and age they might have anxiety issues they might have depression they might be suffering with all sorts of mental illness mm. it might make that other person feel like you know what hang on for a second my life maybe isn't so bad as i thought it is i could be johnny down the road that's you know on on uh, antidepressants do you know what i'm saying like i think yeah i think that's yeah. the problem people try to put themselves in other people's shoes and sometimes like that question that gets asked like if you had the opportunity to swap wardrobes or 
with somebody else you'd probably keep your own shit you know <laughs> you know that way yeah. like you, you absolutely think, yeah and like, there's nothing in this world more complex than human relationships you know there's an exercise where you draw out like your your family structure and your friends and then you start to draw lines between like the individual relationships between people so like for instance i have a relationship with my mother but my mother has a relationship with my brother and he also has a relationship with me and then there's all these interacting lines and when you when you see the amount of different relationships and if you're trying to be a different person for, for every one of those people, like you're fragmented, you know, and, and like it becomes confusing and you lose track of who you really are and like your ego takes over because you're comparing and there's resentment and there's all these other emotions yeah. like jealousy, yeah. Yeah. all these things play in, you know, like it's, it's never endingly complex. But if you can search for the authentic part of you and, and when you're with people if you can ask yourself like am i being me now like is this authentically me and if it's not why what's going on there and if you can't be your authentic self around somebody and that's like every every part of you you know be completely honest and be authentic then is that like a truly authentic relationship you know um if those, if you can and show yourself to somebody, what's the underlying reason behind that, um, and why? Like you know, ultimately, it, it, and the people that won't let you be yourself, the people that won't let you express your authentic self, are probably not the the truest uh, idea of a friend. You know. Yeah, and, of and course, again, again it's so much sense in what you're saying, like. You're never going to behave the same way to your boss, the same way you will mm. in your household, the same way you will in front of your friends. Of course, there's different versions of yourself. And I love the way you said that, like, you know, if you can't be yourself within a social relationship, let's just say, for example, I think if I can relate to it, it's like you get introduced to somebody. So you introduce me to somebody and I am not being myself there. It's like, you're probably talking, why? Like, why not with that new person? You're not going to go and tell them your whole life story. You're going to be you, though. If you have to put on a different persona, a different show, because you want that person to have such a per perception of you, that's the ego there. Like, So in your head, you look like this, or you probably think you are this person. So there, this new, new person comes along, but then you want them to, to read that. But yeah. like the way to probably go about it is just be you and not have that image in your head and let them form that image. Exactly. Because the image that we think we're putting forward is probably miles apart from what is actually perceived by other people. So like the only fucking option is to, in my opinion, the only option is to be you, you know, and and to let the cards fall where they may and i've never seen it like fail you know and like people like mark logan and people like colin what attracted me to those people like when i first met mark like i instantly felt that i could be myself you know and that what, like that was why, why does 
Why did I feel that too? What does he give off? Because there's an openness, you know, and it's like an acceptance of, there's no judgment. Like, there's an acceptance. Definitely, definitely. Um, but he does that. You do that too. Also, you, know, yeah, you all kind of have that in common, I think. And I think that's probably because you've all been on your own different journeys and different paths to mm-hmm. finding yourself. Like, Colin has a weird sense of, he gives off this aura where you nearly feel like, you know him years and then that allows you then to in turn be open and that allows you then to tell him a story that happened years ago in your family that was you know you probably wouldn't even tell your own friends you know what I mean but there's a guy you've just met and you're both sharing different stories and different paths like and that's the amazing thing with podcasts like I know you have your own podcast and resonates a dialogue I think is it resonant dialogue yeah yeah Yeah. so like resonant Resonant dialogue, yeah. So I think like with podcasts now, how how the world has changed. Like people are, you know, coming on to these various platforms and just telling it as it is. Mm. You know, there's obviously going to be some people out there that are painting it. That's the ego once again. But I think a vast majority of people, like most of my guests, some were probably really nervous. You know, coming on, uh, others probably didn't feel a thing, but you know, after it, they probably felt like, you know, I think I've just put it out there. Like, you know, I'm not perfect. Yeah. I've got 200,000 followers. Um, yeah. I have all this money or have all these material things or whatever it may be, or, or maybe which I've had some guests on that have nothing, you know, they've absolutely nothing. Like, like look, yeah. look at the happy pair, a prime example, like two guys I had on that I just met at the swim, uh, swim rises out in Greystones. I, I actually walked onto the beach with my towel and my dog and a good friend of mine that owns his own CBD company um, and walked onto the beach and Alan was like, come on. And I was like, no, they're all over there. There's like 20, 30 of them. Like, no, I'm not going to go over. And he's like, come on. Went over. They had brownies they'd just made. They'd, um, you know, ginger and turmeric tea and they were just giving it out. And I was standing there and then, one of the guys from the Happy Pair, Steve, just come over and was like, how you doing? Who are you? And I shook his hand and he was like, welcome. And I went the next week. I went the next week. I went the next week. And I just kept going and going and going. And I think it was one of the, maybe the seventh or eighth week then I said, do you want to come on the podcast? They were like, yeah. How about tomorrow? And I was like, yeah, what time? They were like maybe 10 to 6 in the morning. And I was like, yeah. And I got up at <laughs> half four that morning and prepared myself, got the equipment. We drove out. We had mushroom tea. We spoke. But the reason I'm bringing those guys up, Jody, is for one reason. I'm sure you'll probably watch that episode. Or you, you probably know of them anyway. But they have such a big brand now. Such a, you know, it's a vegan community that they didn't create, but they helped the growth of it, especially in Ireland. But they've got probably everything that they want. You know, they're financially stable. They've got their kids. They're healthy. They're happy. They've built this community where they can be content with all these relationships and meeting people. And he was, they were so happy that I came on the beach because they were looking at me as another one, another yeah. person that's decided to, you know, change my life. I could have, the night before I could have had something really bad happen to me in my life or that whole week could have been the worst week of my life. But I went out to that beach and I felt going into the next week on the Sunday, we went out to the beach that Monday for the whole week I was on a high and that's why I kept going. But they do that every single morning. And that's why I'm saying that they can go out and buy those cars. They can buy the house. They can buy what they like. 
they can dress in designer clothes. But I look at them and they have everything they need. And mm. that's why I think they're happy. A lot of it's down to the food they eat, you know, because obviously they eat very nu- nutritious food. Um, but I think a huge part of it is, the only reason I've told this whole part, social relationships. Finding, mm. like you said, what's important, who's important, and let's just do more of that. You know, like I'm going to ring Mark more. I'm going to ring Colin more. I'm going to ring Jody more. You know, like those type of things. Like, don't meet somebody for coffee that you don't like and you're just meeting up with each other just because you went to school with them, you went to college with them, you used to be in the army with them. Um, mm. And you both want to keep up to date with each other's lives. You know, that's fine if you're going to do that. But don't do that as much as meeting with those people that have something to bring to help you. Absolutely. It's all about relationships, you know, it's all about people, it's all about community, it's all about social interactions. Um, and I love the, the happy pair lads are legends like um I've met them a couple of times, but uh I think they're a prime example of like you were asking about like what attracts us to people like that, to people like Mark, to people like Colin, to people like the happy pair. And there's I think what we're getting at is an ability or a willingness to be vulnerable, you know, because you look at the, the guys like how how they they're mad, you know, they're mad as hatters like they're deadly, but they they just are unapologetically themselves, you know, and it's like if you if you like this, we're here. But like if you don't, we don't care. And there's like a real element of courage and strength. The same is true for Mark, the same is true for Colin, the same is true for anybody putting out their authentic self you too. in that willing to be vulnerable and um, we're so scared of it we're so scared of judgment and like this is the podcast stuff is true as well like you look at mainstream media it's all oh hello yeah so and you know it's this like plastic version wow. of a human yeah and we know when we look at this that's not real and that's why we're attracted to people who are being vulnerable who are stepping into it courageously and just being themselves and we you know like find that, that. You know what's so good about what you just said there like you've 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 made some really valid points today that have changed my perspective on things in ways. No, you really have. And one way you say it there is, you know, like I know some guys, and I'm sure you know them too from your past life or your old self, where you would have been in a certain environment. They might be, you know, seen as maybe scumbags, or they might be seen as you know up to no good people or whatever. And like they might come across that way. They might dress a certain way. They might, you know have that image but like i've been at festivals with some of those guys that like i'd bump into them and i'd be like oh how are you keeping and you know they're going around and you know a lot of people would be kind of moving out of the way of them like you know but i've seen them engage in conversations with like people that would call hippies or you know like maybe somebody that might be a stoner like in you know this kind of like illusion of what like a tree hugger people you know all these guys they all these names that they get labeled but like People forget that they're just a human being. Um, but like I've seen those people engage in conversations and like they start talking differently. Like they might talk, you know, with such a prominent Dublin accent, but yet they're having this conversation with this um this person that's like just unapologetically themselves, like you said. And when I look at them people, I'm like, they actually start to be themselves a little bit. Mm. It's like they start to kind of I don't know, they they try to 
connect with that person, but the only way they can do it is just by being themselves. And it's like what you said, why was I able to just be myself talking to Mark? Why did I feel I didn't have to put on a mask? Why did you feel that way? You know, and well, yeah, yeah. I think it's like like we all need to be, we all want to be seen and to be heard and to be loved for who we truly are. But the fear of um, the fear of stepping into that and exposing yourself as you are, if that gets rejected or if that if that turns out to be bad, like the the pain involved in that, like there's this whole thing of social masks. Like if we're wearing masks and we're different people for different people, like we're different personas for different people, that's all a protective mechanism to keep ourselves safe. Because even if somebody hates the persona that you're putting out, it's still not the real you. So you're still safe to some degree, you know? So even if somebody hates you, but you're putting up a a shell or you're putting up a, a persona, then you can kind of escape that in a weird egotistical way and not feel like it's truly you, you know? Whereas if you put yourself out there and people don't like it, that's much more of a hit, you know? So there's an element of fear involved in it. Um, but I think if if you're the type of person who gives people space to be themselves, that's that feels so good to the people. And that's probably what's happening to, to your mates, you know? They're just finding a moment where... There's stuff that they may not talk about with their their core group of friends because there's a certain stigma, you know, stigma or whatever culture. And then when you step outside of that and you speak to somebody who's like talking about love or talking about all of these things that you formerly can't talk about, there's an element of like exploration and freedom in that, you know. Um, like I'm not probably, I'm not into kind of drugs or anything like that i never was it you know i never took drugs or anything but one thing about weed is about marijuana uh, cannabis call it whatever you like but one thing it does is if you could have like five or six people sitting around the same uh, campfire or whatever you want to call it sitting around in a living room wherever it may be in a back garden having a couple of bottles and and the conversation will literally and could be about anything you know Mm. because what happens is i think people when they might indulge in that or you know they might take that um substance it kind of like allows the person to express themselves in a way that they probably wouldn't have because there was this anxiety bubble around them that like oh if i say this it mightn't go down so well but like most of the time when people are stoned and you see it all the time at house parties like there's like a group of people in the kitchen up dancing to music and having bottles and whiskey and shots and vodka. And then there's like a group of people that are like out the back garden and they're like having a conversation or they're all pointing up to the moon and they're going like, no, I can't see that. And like, can you not see that star? And I don't have seen that going flying across there. And you're like, no, you didn't. And you're like, if you just think of that there inside, there's people having a great time or whatever. And like, they're all kind of there having their fun. But then if you just go out the back garden and you see these people and you look and you go, right, that person, I would never put that person with, with him or her or him or her. And, and, but that's what it does. It like, it brings people together in a weird way and then allows people to nearly be themselves and engage in these conversations. Like it happened to me, like I, I went to uh, do the podcast with Mark in, in collective and, I actually, weirdly enough, I'm telling this story, but 
I was like, I was going and I said goodbye to Greg and all the lads and stuff and Paul. And then I was walking down the stairs and um, Cormac and Mark came running after me and I held the door for them. They were like, oh, cheers. And Mark just looked at me and said, uh, what are you doing tomorrow? And I was like, uh, tomorrow, nothing. Why? And he's like, come here at six o'clock. We have an art exhibition. And I was like, yeah, perfect. Six. Yeah, I'll be there. And I went home and I was like, Teddy, I'm gonna say. So anyway, I went and the guy who the art exhibition was, Tag Beckett, like Sam, like I'm actually really good friends with him now. We message each other all the time. And the point I'm trying to make is coming towards the end of the night, uh, it was kind of getting a bit dead. People were leaving and that. And and uh, Goose said to me, um, come and flow at the back. like." And I went out onto like the, the metal kind of balcony and there was five or six guys there and we were talking and chatting, having a great conversation. And then we went to around the corner to the fat joint just down from the museum. I was with the whole of subset nearly. And I didn't and I didn't even know. And the conversations we were having, the things we were talking about. And I was saying to myself, you know, I don't do this often. I never do this. I I never meet people like this. I never speak to people uh, in this context. And I really enjoyed it. And that's why I was so thankful for Mark. Like if I hadn't held the door and I'd have shot out in a hurry and went home on the loose, like I wouldn't have been at the exhibition and I wouldn't have met all these cool people. And I wouldn't, he, he opened the door nearly for me to, um, he nearly like enabled me to be myself in a certain way. Um, and it changed the direction of the podcast. It changed it like awesome. right? because I was doing two a week. I was doing two a week. Right? <laughs> I got Couldn't to 50. I got to 50 in less than a year and like 50 in six months or something. And then Mark was like to me, Oh yeah, no, brilliant. brilliant." He was like, but just, you know, quality over quantity. Like don't just get someone on just cause he's like, try get, you know, somebody you like or somebody that, you know, you're interested in. And then, you know, if you're not releasing every week, but at least you've got one good one coming out. And that's what I've been doing now. You know, I'm picking people, not like tons of people obviously say, can I come on? Look, have a chat. And I try help and facilitate everybody. But I've changed my priorities to be like, no, I like Jody Kennedy and I want to get him on. And I think uh, that happened with Mark and that social gathering. And um, I think that's the power of that. Love that. That's classic Mark as well. You know, that's that's how Mark operates. Uh, yeah. He's a, he's a hero of a man, you know. And that that openness is just is so attractive to to allow you to be yourself and I think in those communities like like when you step into a community like collective or you know you have all these creative types where this stuff like being yourself and being open and being unapologetically like talking about what you like and and what drives you and what what gives you joy when you step into that environment it's much easier it's, it's like a freeing thing you know it's like wow yes like these are great conversations and all those stigmas that are attached to it in outside life aren't there and it, then you start thinking why why can't we do this like every day you know why can't i have conversations like this with this person or this person and you start to see the parts that are shut down maybe a little bit in your life and where how you can open why, why do you think that is jody you've hit the nail on the head there why do you think you can't have that same conversation with most people it's all conditioning like when when you talk about creative cultures like like collective will be a creative culture so they're like they're full of like creative people you know and there's a different way of thinking than if you're in a company that's 
tradesmen or, or corporate types, you know, there's just a different way of operating and a different type of person gravitates towards that thing probably as well. So yeah, you, when you meet these people that are just super open and accepting and just like, yeah, do you, be you, whatever you want. Do you think, mate, that, do you think it could be down to the fact that the goal is relevant to all of them that like so whether you're a tradesman or whether you're an operative or whether you're in the army you all kind of share the one kind of i don't know the one kind of goal at the end of it like there's a destination you're going to get to and that's to become a sergeant become a general whatever it is right Mm -hmm. or in a a geo it's or a trade it's to become a foreman and whatever it is right so there's a ladder there and everything but when you look at a creative environment like collective and you know, even you look at like Colin's gym, like, you mm. know, when you look at something like that, where you can go up the levels of the belts in jujitsu, or you can progress and try judo, you can try MMA, you can try all these things. But in a coll- in a collective like uh, Mark and Paul and Greg and all those guys, their goal that they're sharing is just to create, create, create more, 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 and just get content. And whether it's like, you know, you've got, artists you've got musicians you've got filmmakers so like they all share the one goal but their goal is really just to create content Mm. and um i think that's why they're so open because to create content if i'm right in saying this jody if you knew all your projects you're gonna do for the rest of your life i mean it'd be pretty boring to create they always have to be yeah uh, open and um how would you say transparent and you know throwing out ideas and stuff i think that's what i took from them like i've got paul on tomorrow yeah paul's coming on tomorrow and paul's actually paul's a strange one right because (laughs) this is a strange one this is a strange one right because i got mark on and i'm so happy i got him on on his own right Mm. because you hit the nail on the head jody everybody has a story Mm. and everybody's everybody's story is different and if I'd have got Mark and Paul on together and put the episode out as true bangers hosts or whatever, right? Well, then the story would have been more focused around how they met and how they got to where they are. But instead, it was Mark on his own. And I'm so happy it happened the way it did. But I spoke to Paul for probably about an hour that night, maybe about 40 minutes that night at the art exhibition. And I was like, I'd love to have you on. And he was like, 100%, anytime. And then I might have DM'd him once or twice, but like, through watching the true bangers i quickly learned that he's not the biggest social media influencer he clearly uses it to his advantage and he's not on his phone 24 7 which i respect about him but like out of nowhere i'm not even joking right i hadn't dm'd him weeks 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 upon weeks like i'm talking november and i get a text message off him last week saying uh let's do this brother and i was like i got it and i went yeah yeah definitely yeah like but where did this come from and and we're doing it tomorrow now and i think that's the power of this whole thing like back then when i asked him to come on i if he had to come on the day after mark or the day after the exhibition mm. i think this might be a weird saying this i don't know if you you might relate to it but i think i was still digesting mark's journey i think i was still trying to understand mark and i was editing the podcast so i had to watch it back two three times and think if I'd have got Paul on straight away, well, then Marks would have just been a number, would have just became number 40, now on to 41, so on. I think that's why I enjoy doing what Mark kind of told me now, like, 
I've had Colin on a week ago. You know, that episode's out. It's gone out. Now it's your time. And I'll take my time editing this and I'll take my time watching this back because I won't just listen to what you're saying now and hear your story and then just put it out there. I think I'll take a lot from this. Like you're you probably don't realize it and you probably don't hear this often. Or maybe you do, but you're very like those guys. You are. You're very like even Dave and Steve that I met. Dave and Steve said to me, we're all just insecure three-year-olds that want to be told we're deadly. <laughs> you know, like, and you, you just said that. Like, so that was something they said on the podcast and you've just said something very similar, mm. you know? And I think you probably don't realize it or you probably don't, you probably do, but you're very like a lot of those guys. And I think if you'd have stayed in the army, I don't think I'd be talking to the same person right now. I don't, not, not to say Peru is the full explanation mm. for that, but you're definitely, you're a great guy. Like, Thank you, brother. I take that as a massive compliment. Um, yeah, I think those guys have so much depth, you know, like there's actually, they have so much to give. Um, you're going to have a great conversation with Holly, as you know, like what an absolute hero. Like a, <laughs> I talk to Holly sometimes and he only says like five or six words. And I'm, <laughs> the next day, I'm like, oh, Polly son, you know, so he has a real way. No, it's so funny the way you just said that, Jody, because like he, he puts out like these things. Uh, most of his stories on Instagram or posts are true bangers or his, his iPhone notes. Mm. You know, like Mark does that a bit too. Like Mark in the middle of the podcast was like, I'm writing a book at the moment. And I was like, oh, really? And he goes, actually, one sec. He just lifted up his phone and just read like, a section of what he's planning on putting in the book and it was from his notes and Paulie like puts out a lot of that like he was just on the bus and he just decided to write out what he felt in that moment and you read it and it's poetry it's poetry like yeah yeah and they're so in touch with that side of themselves you know it's great I love spending time around that and it always like inspires me to be to be more impulsive in that way and to, to be more like self-loving and to be more open and more accepting and you know so I think surrounding yourself with people that embody what you want to be is very important you know and that you are the average of your five friends or, or whatever you know that kind of sentiment like and just really surrounding yourself with people that are where you want to be be or gone where you want to be or embody something that you really aspire to to fulfill whether it be a, a, a personality trait or, or work ethic or whatever it may be do you know what I mean um, and gravitating and surrounding yourself with those people as much as you can um, and that's how you know you're on the right path because it's very hard to understand like how do I know I'm going in the right direction I used to struggle with that a lot you know especially in terms of self-development and I think you deep down, you know, if you can listen to yourself, if you're self-aware, if you can build awareness of, of your own um, instincts and your own feelings, then when you're with those people or when you're in those situations that really fill you with joy and, and you know, make your soul full, then you can just keep gravitating towards that feeling, you know, and, and use that as your guiding force and, because you know when a situation is real, like like the night you spent with the guys where it just turned, a random thing just turned into this like significant 
events that like you'll remember now probably for your whole lifetime maybe you know and maybe had some kind of impact on you just in that it felt significant and it felt like something different than the monotony of what you've been doing before and you had these deep conversations and I tell you just gravitating towards those teams you know you're so right in what you're saying though like but even I probably not I didn't explain the story in enough detail like but I walked out onto the balcony and we were out on the balcony and whatever and I I was up for work the next morning at like half six to go to the hospital where I work and I was like kind of on the back foot with the whole going to the fat joint for a drink and it was like half nine do you know what I mean and they were like here you're floating and, and yet now bear in mind I didn't know I was with subset <laughs> I know that's irrelevant but I didn't know I was with those guys so um, it was kind of just like six random dudes or whatever and goose and I was kind of like I think I'll just I think I'll pass and I said I said that to them I said no lads I think I'll pass and they were like no I bother might see you again sometime so we walk out the front hug Mark hug, Paul, hug all the lads leave they go this way towards um, towards the keys and I go around towards uh, Jervis Lewis stop so I get to Jervis Lewis stop and I look at the the time and it says 12 minutes or something and I see a couple of couple of ropey people at the stop you know so I continue walking to the forecourts so I, I get to the forecourts and there's the boys and they're <laughs> like oh you said you weren't coming and I was like no nah, I was joking and they were like come on then so I went with them I went <laughs> in and I got a point of Guinness and we sat down and we were talking about the whiter the cheese the more healthier it is then we were all talking about what our favourite cheese is then we all started talking about our favourite foods long story short we start yapping, but I ended up leaving, and because I was going the same direction as Goose, he started talking to me, and out of nowhere, there was no reason for it, but he just started giving me life advice that like I haven't forgot, and it was like, it was like, why are you telling me this great information? Like, what? I didn't ask you to say this. He started telling me about the whole. Uh, it's it's a book. I can't think of the name of it, but I don't want to reference it and be wrong. Like feeding yourself the inner chimp. He was like to me, feed yourself. Yeah, that's it, Jody. That's it. He's like, he, he, this is his way of saying it. He goes to me, just keep feeding yourself those bananas, man. Just keep feeding yourself those bananas. He goes, because, you know, keep that chimp sane, he said, because you don't want that to turn into a silverback. And then when it turns into a silverback, those bananas won't be enough. And then when, when the silverback gets out of control, you can't control it, he said. Or even worse, he goes, when it turns into like a venomous snake, he goes, the venomous snake won't, won't, want, that, won't want them fucking... Uh, bananas he goes don't turn into the fucking reptile he goes because when you turn into the reptile there's no going back he goes because trust me i know what it's like he said so try keep yourself that uh <laughs> that, that happy chimp and i was like that is mad like that's crazy and i actually do think that if i'm in a certain situation or you know there's a bit of drama or there's a bit of trouble brewing and i can tell that mm. I, I can feel it in my gut i'm like walk away don't get involved mm. you know be that. Don't don't allow other people to turn you into that snake or that reptile or that silverback that's super aggressive and wants to, you know, give that side of me off. So instead, be humble and. Yeah. And I just thought that was crazy. And it is a book, and he didn't make it all up. Obviously, it wasn't his own words, but it was information that was new to me, Jody. Hmm. Yeah, it's a great book, and I love the way. You 
<laughs> he he was yeah. he was very different the way he was like you know feed them fucking bananas and like, <laughs> he's brilliant. <laughs> he's another great yeah. another person I wouldn't have known if I hadn't went that night, you know. And uh, and yeah. turns out, turns out, Jody, uh, every single day for the last five years, I work with his brother-in-law. Wow, there you go. So that was weird, um, yeah. you know. And I don't. Here, here's a funny one for you. I met Mark Forrest at uh, one of his exhibitions that was on across the road in the Tower Building. And uh, we were like, oh, we'll check out this exhibition. And we cruised in and we were looking around. And then Aoife was like, this guy is my cousin. <laughs> and I was like, what? And that's how we ended up talking to Mark in the first place is that Aoife was like, yeah, because Aoife's family is huge. Yeah. Grand- so Eva's nanny had like 22 kids, you know what I mean? So they have like hundreds of, of their cousins and extended family. Like their family is huge. So she has cousins she's never met, but yeah. Turns out Mark is her cousin basically, yeah. And uh, that's how we got chatting in the first place. And that's how we reached it's out again. Like, you know, when you think of like my whole situation of going to that exhibition or whatever, that's why I think the exhibitions are great. But mm. let's just go back to that night and you didn't you know Aoife says let me flow over to the exhibition and you say you know what mm. not you much tonight I'm going to pass mm. on that. like I'm not I'm not it's like what you said what's done is done when I say are you happy with things that happened in the past or would you change them it's done and it happened but like I'm thinking more so from the element of like if you didn't go to the exhibition I mean mm. you when I look at you and Mark now I don't look at you as like just two people that know each other. I look at you as like two friends, like sharing the Zoom platform to do your own bits and your own uh, work. Like you wouldn't have been doing those things if you hadn't met him. And he probably wouldn't be doing some of the stuff he's doing, you know? Yeah, so true. And like saying yes to things is like a, a big thing as well, because when you say no, and quite often that can come from a place of, self-protection or whatever and that oh no that's a weird oh i don't know who'll be there that's not my crew like i don't know anyone and saying no to things means you only get smaller you know and saying yes to things opens opportunities so yeah i'm a big fan of like doing things that are odd or weird or whatever like and yes like uh, i'll say yes and give it a whack give it a try and that's what happens you end up meeting awesome people that are outside of your normal circle like, and you have to step outside of that to to experience that or you know you're not just gonna re- meet the most amazing people walking down the street i mean it could happen but it's it's unlikely you know mm-hmm. um yeah so super thankful for that like mark is a brother you know like we're gonna do a lot of stuff together oh, and, uh, let's do it together yeah, so we've been doing this this Zoom thing. I might as well plug it here while we're talking. <laughs> we've been doing this um, universal space. It's just a, an online space for people to to come in and share and be vulnerable and be themselves and people who want to step up to the plate and, and experience that. And it's been profound. We, don't, we just started it on a whim um, because of this whole pandemic thing that's going on and like feeling that people are isolated and people don't have anyone to be in contact with and it's been so deep and profound like um it's just been mad it's been mad like the, the community that we've created in there 
online virtually like it's absolutely crazy the depth of sharing that's going on in there and the depth of vulnerability that that's going on and uh yeah really proud of it and excited about it and it's been really wholesome thing um throughout this whole this whole pandemic you know and uh yeah it's been wonderful and it's great obviously working with mark is is fabulous like um we have a great fluidity together i think and yeah, it's been it's been wonderful. Yeah, so, so for people that are for people that are, for people that are just tuning in, um, I'm gonna put your Instagram below, and you know, mm. I'm actually just gonna put your link tree below. I think that's the best thing to do, and um, yeah. because you've got so much there on that, you've probably got about six or seven different links. But just for people that are watching or listening now, Universal Space, right? So you can go on to Zoom, download the app. You know, you don't have to go and make this fancy account. You just have to have the link that you guys share. Sign up for whatever, just just to make you, you know, eligible to be able to join it. But you guys at like 8 p.m. in the evening create this space and people just jump in and out of it. And they, they come in and they take what they can from it. And you guys, you know, enable this almost like without even trying to refer back to that. But them swim rises are no different to what you guys are doing. It's bringing people yeah. together in a situation where they can benefit from it. You know, you're not going to mm. walk away from Universal Space Zoom chat where you're going to feel crap. That's not going to happen because you guys aren't giving those vibes out. You guys are trying nothing mm. and nothing more than to just share the same uh, ideas and the same opinions and the same, you know, kind of uh, spread the same message really is the best way of, of putting it. But for people that are listening or watching, you know, you just get the link uh, when you guys put it up and jump, yeah. make a Zoom account. That's how we're recording this here right now. Uh, and I don't even, think you actually even need to make an account. I think you, you can actually don't. You actually yeah. don't. Yeah, because I, I would have joined. You don't. Um, but I just think it helps in terms of like the way the world is going right now. I think, um, you know, you can WhatsApp video call people. You can video them on Viber and stuff. But like right now, I think we're having a chat we've been speaking for over an hour now but like what about that family member that's across the other mm -hmm. side of the world or across the other side of the country or even just a couple of couple of housing estates away from you but you can't talk to them and you can't connect with them i mean you've no excuse you've no, no. Excuse. the power of the internet is just huge and um, i'm checking in with people i'm i'm chatting to people that i never spoke to because I'm texting people now that I don't really text that often. And my messages to them, hope you're well and safe. I hope you're keeping well, brother, or whatever it may be. And I'm getting that back. You know, people mm -hmm. are coming back and they're like, hope you're well, hope your family are good. And like, I wouldn't have texted them in the past because what was I going to say to them? Like, what was, what was mm -hmm. I going to text them? Like, that, that was, that's probably me and my insecurities. What am I going to say to them? How are you keeping? You know? Yeah. Why not? Like, yeah. Mark, yeah, exactly. Mark yeah. went live there a couple of weeks ago, like, and he says, "How are you?" And I yeah. had the phone in my hand. I looked at it and I went, "How am mm. I?" I went like, "Nobody asks me." Like, of course, I walk by you, Jody, in town, and I say to you, "How are you doing?" Another Irish person would say, "How are you doing?" They respond with, "How are you doing?" Yeah, yeah. The question is never oh, answered, and they don't know. want you to answer it either. <laughs> or or oh, yeah. Colin says a great thing. Colin says. Um, in his vlogs a lot lately I don't know if you've watched his vlogs but he mentioned you there he, he mentioned you the other day like yeah. and, um, famous yeah and, and <laughs> but he said him on the vlogs like he, he's sick and tired of people when he goes up to them and he's like how are you doing yeah not too bad 
he's like, are you bad or are you, are you good? Like, you know, why, when you say, ah, yeah, not great, or, you know, of course you're not going to feel great, mm. you know? I'm not saying walk around every day and start saying you're great, you're great, you're great. Life isn't obviously amazing all the time, but if you're mm. going to walk around all day with your head in the clouds or your head in the dumps, mm. wherever, down, down in the dumps, that's going to become a routine. Mm. And reframe, like, how about we actually when we ask people how they are, we actually are interested in the question and, and the realistic answer because I feel like, you know, when, when Paul asks you how you are or when Mark asks you how you are, like they genuinely, and when I ask people how they are, I am genuinely interested in how are you like, do you know what I mean? Not a, like, not a plastic answer just to get through the small talk it's like it's an actual interest it's a curiosity how how are you like how are you really and that's an opportunity for us to ask ourselves well actually how am i you know and do i think about how the fuck i am and how i'm feeling you know <laughs> and like asking the question with genuine interest is a game changer <laughs> it, it changes it can change the course of a conversation instantly you know if someone answers authentically and I heard, but I suppose we have to feel like if we're used to interactions where people don't really care about the answer to that question, then it can be hard to just, because if you're on the building site and, and someone asks you, how are you? And you start talking, oh, well, you know, have this going on. And, you know, I feel a little bit insecure at the moment. And, and <laughs> you know, that's probably not going to go down well either. So there's a certain amount of conditioning there as well. That, that I think leads that's us the problem. In. It should go down well, but it just doesn't. It's like, I think yeah. kind of... It's like secrecy, like people are afraid to, like I could have, I said it earlier on, like, but I could have like a row at home with a certain family member or something could happen like, with my partner, my wife, my girlfriend or whatever. And I go into work, and I'll put on this front and I'll just wear this smile. And like mm -hmm. someone says, how are you? I'm like, I'm great, yeah, great. And then I sit at lunch with people I consider I'm close to. So like there's people I meet at the printer, or there's people I meet on the corridor and like, how are you? How are you? Oh, good, good. You know, like there, that's, they're not, close people they're just you know um people that i work with but someone that you might consider as close you tell everything and then when you sit down with them and you still don't tell them and you still brush it off i'm grand i'm grand but then you ask yourself like you can't bottle that up forever do you know what i mean but like that's when it goes back to the social relationships of like that you should have more people in your life that you can just say how you feel like i had a guy on and it kind of goes back to the army point you were making Jer Redmond, Jer done the um, his, his tagline is prison to pro, like he was a professional footballer at a really young age, and his father committed a crime in Kulak, um, when he was seventeen, and he had to come home, and uh, his mother ended up, uh, I think, you know, the kids kind of needed parenting and some leadership, and he had to take the reins with his other older sibling. So his whole life was changed. His football career was over. He had to come home from Scotland, never play football again. And he ended up trying to put food on the table and all this stuff and for protection for the crime his father committed. So he got in with a gang and so on. But he ended up in prison. And when he was in prison, like he swore that his, his uh, wife was pregnant when he actually went in, that he wouldn't allow his son to, you know, blah, blah, blah. But the point I'm trying to make is he done hell week. Oh, yeah. Right, so he made it to like the last week. Actually, he made it to the to nearly the very end, and he he speaks a lot about kind of like a therapist. He said to me, 
do you do you have a therapist and I was like no and he goes why and I goes I don't know like I don't think I, I need one he goes no everybody needs a therapist like or if you don't have a therapist everybody needs somebody they can open up to it could be a partner it could be a family member it could be a friend but like you've got to speak and I was like you know that's a really good point and he goes to me like my wife thought I was cheating on her he says it openly in the podcast like she was like give me your phone and who is she who is she and I'd be like what are you talking about like, I love you and he's like no no she's like you're cheating on me I know there's someone else you, you, you don't love me and he's like I don't get you she's like you never hug me you never kiss me you never show me love and affection so like he ended up going to the therapist and the therapist like this really good guy he gave me his number and everything sat in front of him and said to him let me ask you about your childhood so on so on and he said did you ever receive love and he goes no and he goes well that's what's wrong you don't show your wife love you don't express it by hugging her kissing her showing her affection cuddling with her doing all these things or saying love you all the time because you don't know how to like you want to but you don't know how to because you never received it and he he basically was just saying to me like it's amazing the fact that he was a product of his environment like he didn't know what it was like to be hugged so when his wife hugged him he felt awkward like oh you know get off me like what are you hugging me for because he didn't understand and and the therapist fixed that to him the therapist said something to him like i think it was got to do with uh, lego blocks or something it was like you know you want to build something but it doesn't happen straight away mm. you open the box you take out the pieces and you fix them and you do that one wrong well then you pick up this one and then you do that one and eventually you'll end up with the one you want and i think that's amazing the fact that mm. with, with therapists and stuff we don't have to go to a therapist. We, like in the eighties, I wasn't around, but I'd imagine if you had a mental illness, you were probably like, leave him over at that table. That's a wacko over there. Leave him. And now every second person is coming out to say they have depression, which I think is great mm -hmm. to an extent if they do. But then there's also a bandwagon. There's also people that might just use it to their advantage or whatever on social media. But regardless of that, people are clearly expressing themselves. And mm -hmm. I think when I talk about therapists now, a therapist shouldn't be seen still in this day and age as somebody, if you go to a therapist, your life is upside down or you have a shit life. Cause clearly if you're going to a therapist, your life mustn't be so great. I mean, you probably look at some of the most successful people in the world, celebrities and sports personalities and, you know, athletes or whatever, whoever they might be, Jody, they most likely have some professional there to keep them on the Absolutely. right. Track. Yeah. Yeah. Now, the power of speaking is like it's mind blowing because your thoughts safe. You know, like you can do you can do all the thinking you want, but your thoughts can betray you. You know, your ego is at work there. There's so much, um, and it's so mind blowing when you speak something out loud, and it might be something that you think in your head when you speak it out loud. The universal space act of speed. I think the internet's kind of gone. I don't know what's going on. I don't know what happened. 
I'm just gonna. Yeah, we're still good anyway. Thank God. I just missed we're it. Chop off. I just missed it a little bit what you said, but I don't want to. Um, don't want to take too much more of your time. But you were just you just finished on the universal space part and the power of speaking. If you want to finish on that point, and then I can just shout you out. Then finally, with what we can expect to see in the future. It just basically it just went too fuzzy there and stuff, and I think it's because the whole house here is connected to the Wi-Fi. I'm a little bit. Oh yeah, yeah. Night. Um, but yeah, you can finish off on that if you want. Sorry. Yeah, no, I was just saying that like the 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 idea of speaking out and the act of speaking out and and saying things that you haven't said before or maybe that you didn't fully understand, um, because your thoughts can be muddled, you know, and that when you say something out loud, it can be a paradigm shifter for you and that's w with the universal space thing that we've been doing we've seen like there's been several breakthroughs and like it's been super healing for me and i know for mark as well like we've been participating in this as well and we've been having a really healing experience from it too and this is what talking circles are all about this is what therapy is all about it's about a space being held a safe space being held, you know, and where people can, with empathy, be listened to um, without judgment. And nothing that you say inside of the circle, inside of universal space with your therapist, it should be judged or, um, you know, looked at in, in, a, in a weird way. It's, it's a safe space for you to express and it's a super healing experience, you know. When, like when universe, you expect to see some more, is it going to be, I know your, your boat lifestyles are kind of uh, involve a lot of different, um, different kind of how we say projects that you work on. But like, I know Mark probably, I think he's in the country at the moment, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah. You know, like he's, he's using his time during isolation very wisely, to be honest. I can't do that because I have to work for the HSC still. But I mean, <laughs> like what when for somebody watching this now that's like right so they've spoke about this universal space a couple of times when is it on is it going to be structured or is it going to just be yeah, so at the moment it's uh it's 8 p.m tuesday and thursday that that's how we're running it at the, at the start we did it for a week every night and, and yeah that was great it's very very intensive energy wise like holding the space and, and prepping for it and all of that stuff so um we're doing two a week now tuesday and thursday That'll probably continue for the, the duration of however long this madness lasts, you know. I'm going to jump and in tomorrow at 8. Um, I'm going to try beautiful. and get Paul on at 6. I think we said that. And beautiful. When I finish with Paul, then I'm going to jump in at 8 then. Um, awesome. But but I think it, it can't go unnoticed what you guys are doing. Like, it, it's... There's so many great Instagram accounts out there. There's so many... Forget about even Instagram. There's so many amazing people out there that aren't even on social media that you could meet and they'll change your life forever. But I do think without, you know, a lot of society at the moment is following all these different things that like they're polluting their feeds with. They're polluting their lives with. Like I came up with this thing there a while ago and I put it up on my story. I don't know what came, I just had a coffee one morning and I was sitting there in work and I was like, it was on my morning break and I was like, I just think this is so relevant to life. You know, like home, search, like explore, and then you've got your likes and follows and whatever, and then you've got mm -hmm. your own page. You know the explore one? Yeah. A lot of people don't use that and a lot of people don't really care about it or don't really understand it much. They only use it when they're searching for another account or whatever. But like if you go on to that, like you've got like three 
think it's a you know a couple of columns of three pictures going across, right? So you click into one of them or whatever, and then it catches your eye, color, or it might be a, a certain thing or whatever, an item or clothing or something. You click into it, and then you go out of it, and you click in again, and then you, you go out and you keep refreshing it. I've noticed over the last maybe six months to a year that that explore section is like, it's like it's AI, it's Instagram's way of learning you. And what it'll do is, so we just say for argument's sake, Jody, you click into uh, this guy doing a handstand up against the wall and then you leave it. And then the next day you click in and there's a tutorial on how to do that handstand or there's another picture of, you know, such a thing. And that's Instagram learning what you seem, what seems to catch your attention and walks with. And it'll start filling that explore section with that. So eventually, when you keep clicking in, keep clicking in, that whole explore section will just be that. And I'm now starting to look at life the same. So that explore section, you have the power to control that on Instagram. So the picture's there, don't click into it, right? So you don't like what you see, or it makes you, you know, it makes you jealous or envious, or, you know, you see something, you go, oh, I don't like this, you know, but you click into it anyway. Well, then they're going to give you more of that. So I'm treating life the same. So if, I know someone is bad for me or I know someone is toxic for me. Well then don't spend time with them or, you know, don't be rude or don't be horrible to them. Like, you know, give them your attention, say hello and you know, stuff like that, but don't allow them to take your time, take your energy. And that explore page and life is no different. You allow into the explore page, what you keep choosing. So your mm -hmm. life, well, then that text message you get, you're coming down the pub for a point and you know that's going to lead to a three-day session or you know you're going to end up getting uh, into a row with your missus because she doesn't want you going out certain this and that, right? Or whatever it may be. Um, you know these things are bad, but there's notifications coming in or you know that this is happening. But treat that the same. Take control of it and make that explore page in your life, in real life, be what you want it to be. And that's what I'm doing. I love it. Yeah. I, I have a similar concept in terms of uh, consumerism. And, you know, they, they call us consumers. Like, and I prefer that. I hate that fucking word, like consumers, if you break it down, just the consummation of things, you know. Uh, if we think of ourselves as citizens and like every euro that we spend is a vote for something, you know. So if you're buying shit that's made in sweatshops and you're, you're buying, you know, filthy food that costs nothing There's you're voting for, yeah you're voting for those things you're bolstering that industry you're making it stronger every time you choose something that is in line with your Elite. way of thinking your ethics and your morals you're making a vote for that you know and if everybody was to do that i think we'd really understand the power that we have you know as, as citizens in what you're saying and i think people will have no choice but to hopefully feel that way with the pandemic because mm. when I, I went into my local butchers the other day for my grandmother she's one of the people that has to cocoon, uh, cocoon she's two underlying issues but I went into the butchers and the guy's kind of really known in the area and he's young enough he went to school with my dad really nice fella and when I went in I was chatting to him I said how's business blah, blah. only two allowed in the shop at once I said how is that affecting he said to be honest it's just kept going he said I think this is the new the new way of living and I was like oh yeah definitely I said until they come up with a vaccine or until we can, you know, control it. And he goes, no, like, I genuinely think this is the way it's going to be from now on. And I was like, oh, no, I, I, I doubt that. And he goes, no. He said, 
when you think of all we, we have been focusing on, materialistic things, he said, like at Christmas, he said, I went into Brown Thomas for like one of the first times in years. And he said, I was looking for something, a short or something. And he said, I seen these like two or three 15 year olds coming in and running up to this uh, jacket, Montclair jacket for 1100 euros. And they were, whatever, I like this one, I like that one. And they grabbed like one or two each, right? And they went up to the till and paid for it with cash. And he said, I looked at them and I went, like that, I couldn't even afford one of the jackets. And he said, I looked at them and I said to myself, so this is how the world has gone. I want this, I want that, and I get it. And I get nothing from it. I'm filling this void. Like I'm sitting there bored, I have a cup of tea in my hand, and ah, sure, I'll buy something online. I go on to Amazon, and I'll just, I get that thing I don't need. I get that thing I don't want, but I want it. I don't want it, but I want it. And that's what we do. And yeah. that's the consumer's thing. And I think now in life, this has made people do up their back garden, do up their front garden, do up their bedrooms, paint that room that they wanted to paint for five years, but never did it. Um, go through the shed. Jesus, I didn't know I had that golf set and I'm only at the buying a new one. Sure, we got a new lawnmower. This one works fine. Go through their wardrobe, pull mm. out their clothes. It's, it's doing that. And I know it's doing that. Not in every household, Jody, but it's doing it to an extent where people are actually going, hang on a second. I've got time on my hands here now. Some people, as one of the women I had on the podcast, Fiona Feely, she said, people have no choice now but to spend time on their own. Most yeah. of the time, it's filling all their day with social interactions and all these situations and uh, atmospheres and environments where they never have to be alone. But Colin Bourne in episode 50 says, the end of the day, you have to go to bed with yourself. Yeah, I love that. At the end of the day, you've got yeah. to go to bed with yourself. So do you like That's the so person true. that you are that day? Mm. Colin says another thing as well that I think you'll like. He says it, I think he says it openly on his, his blog as well, but I loved it. He said somebody taught him a lesson before because I asked him, what advice would you give to a 23-year-old self? Because that's me at the moment. And I always love asking people that question. But Colin said, someone said to him, be careful who you're talking to. It just might be Jesus. <laughs> just be careful that. who you're talking to. It just might be <coughs> It could just be God. You could be looking mm. at someone and you go, she's this, she's that. I see by the way she dresses, the way she looks, she's overweight, she's underweight, she's this, she's that, he's this, he's that. But be careful. It just might be God. I love it. How amazing is that? He's a wise man. <laughs> Jody, I think I got to know you a little bit better anyway. And I think um, I, I'm, I'm saying this truthfully here, that I've done about five of these so far. Um, four of them on Skype. This is my first one on Zoom. Um, but I've got to know the people I've had on. You, Colin, Fiona. I'll speak with Paul tomorrow. Um, two or three others. But I, I'm i a person that this is great and it works and it shares the story of you and I get to voice my opinions and how we have things in common or whatever or we think alike. But I love face-to-face. -face. And I love actually getting to meet somebody, shaking their hand, hugging them, whatever it may be. And I think when all this blows over, we should probably like, you know, sit down and uh, without being, excuse the pun, but conversations and coffee, actually have a cup of coffee together and have mm. a conversation and just no agenda, you know, just, just go with it off the cuff and um, 
we should do that when this blow is over. Proper yeah. meet, you know. Maybe Mark yeah. will be there, and maybe on another occasion, Colin could be home. I don't know, but that's what I'm all about. I think you're about that too, especially with the zooms and the universal space. Um, you can't have enough communities. We can create communities all over the place. You can't have enough of them. And I think at the moment, right now, in this country, especially in in Dublin at the moment, because I can only speak of what I'm experiencing, there's zero community because there's not allowed to be community. I'm walking my dog, I'm walking by people and I'm smiling at them and saying, how are you doing? The sun is shining, it's a beautiful day out and I'm getting this torn in the way. It's like, oh, he's two meters. If I say hello to him, we'll probably end up talking and I don't want to get the virus. And people are now afraid to nearly even say hello to you. I'm walking down the road and someone crosses over the other side and starts walking up. So I hope personally when this is gone, everything will come back tenfold. We'll be all hugging each other. We'll all be together. There'll be more house parties. There'll be more art exhibitions. There'll be more gatherings. There'll be more retreats. Um, That's what I hope. Yeah. I think there's a lot of fear around at the moment, but I really do believe that this whole experience is going to fuel an awakening of sorts that I think is already in the process of happening. Like we talked about, um, about people pursuing different things and filling their time with, with, uh, consuming and with, uh, empty things. And, but there's also a large group of people out there and an ever grown community of people that are filling that void with good conversations and truth and, open-hearted authenticity um, and I think that maybe is not as obvious in normal times because you always see the glossiness of the Instagram posts or the advertising or whatever it may be oh, true. I, I see this bubble growing now and I think this pandemic this this situation that we're all in because we all have to retract into ourselves a little bit that this is really going to compound and fuel that growth and that's my hope and that's my belief that ultimately on the other side of this, we're going to come out of it a more enlightened, more awakened, more aware um, society. And, and I think it will contribute to the, to the growth of the species and to hopefully the reconciliation with nature and with Mother Earth. And um, yeah, because I think it's, it has to happen, like, you know, and, and I believe this is how it's going to happen. And I don't think, I think, Jody, I think you everything you've said there is like, it's kind of weird saying this, but it's like everything that I've, I'm thinking, but I just never said it. Like everything you just said there is like, it just maybe I never even had it in my mind, but it just hits home that like, we, we clearly shared the same kind of um, hope there that like, you know, there's people out jogging now that probably never jogged and there's people out doing things that they've probably never done. They're baking, they're cooking, they're doing all these things, sitting down with their child and watching a movie, reading a bedtime story and putting the tablet away and just sitting and chatting and playing and doing all these things, right? But like, there's nothing wrong with a lull sometimes. There's nothing wrong with a bit of silence. Like, So what if we have to queue outside Super Value around the block because we have to be two meters away from each other and it takes, our, it takes an extra 30 minutes to do our shop? Those things aren't really important. What's important right now is we're be, we've been separated because we have to be to save mm-hmm. our species but 
when this is over, our hope would be that it brings us back together, stronger, better. We'll realize what it's like to go to that birthday party. We'll realize what it's like to, I'm not showing up to Jody and Aoife's wedding. Sure, I haven't seen him in 10 years. We'll realize, no, hang on a second. I remember mm. that good time I had with him. I remember that good laugh I had with him. I remember that encounter I had with such a buddy. Of course I'm going to go and meet them for a pint. Of course I'm going to go and meet them for a coffee. I think that's mm. going to happen. And I, I hope that happens, that people come back together loving each other more, uh, appreciating each other more, and respecting each other more because we're all trapped inside our own home now and we have to sit with ourselves and we have to get to know mm. each other better and we might like what we know, but when we come out of it, we might realise that, um, you know, I know it might be a recession and people probably won't be going out buying material things that they used to be. The car that they buy every year might have to go on hold or whatever. Or that house they were planning on buying might have to go on hold. But let's put all that aside for a second. I think the virus has proven to a lot of people that it has no boundaries. Mm. It has no limits. Like I'm not repeating what I'm hearing on the news, but it has no sense of race or borders or there's no equality there. It's going to kill you if it's going to kill you. If you're not able to fight it and your immune system can't tackle it, it's going to kill you. And I think that's what we all need to open our eyes to that. Yes, it's a virus and it'll go and there will be a vaccine. It might take a year, two years. I don't know how long it'll take. But when it goes and when there is a vaccine and when everything's fine and we resume to normal life, the biggest thing I'm taking away from this is the most important saying of all, health is your wealth. Mm. You know? 100%. Couldn't agree more, brother. Great chance, you. You too, Ledge. You're a gentleman. Can I, leave you, can I leave you with a quote? Please. It's just in my head and I think it's fitting to what we've been talking about and it's from uh, Carl Jung, the, the great Swiss psychologist. And um, it goes, it's the privilege of a lifetime to become who you truly are. I just love that saying so much, you know. I think it's a of a lifetime to become who you truly are. Yeah. And and I think I think I, I think Jody, not a lot of people will ever, 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 ever get even a taste or even the tip of the iceberg of what that feels like. You know what I mean? There's a lot of people out there that will never experience that. I feel I'm getting there. I'm nowhere near where I really am. I'm nowhere near where I really want to be. But I know one thing's for sure that I'm aware of it. I think awareness is good. I'm aware that I'm not there. And I'm aware that it mightn't happen tomorrow. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, like, you, you can't pick up a book and just read it. There's chapters, there's pages, there's stages. I think that's the same with life, like, treat each day like a page and just take it day by day literally um, and I think being your true self I didn't get to meet you face to face I will someday but it felt like it felt like the Colin chat it felt like the Mark chat I'm sure Paulie tomorrow will feel the same and do you know what that just proves that realness reality is real you can't fake that like if i'm in your presence and you're giving me a vibe i'm getting your energy i'm able to get your energy through this through this mm -hmm. lens like i'm feeling it's your dialogue that you're putting out 
it's what you're saying it's hitting home and I think that's priceless that's the most important thing you know you can't put a price on that you know you couldn't have paid to have a conversation like this you couldn't pay to meet these people I think putting yourself out there you coming on and thankfully you've given your time and uh, I don't think this will be the last conversation we have but I think it's a good start it's a good way to get to know each other a little bit better and um, set a kind of um, set a kind of you know pace to where it could end up you know uh, who, who like who you meet the craziest part about that is it's like when you meet somebody look at that person as like who do they know and like not there's so many people that do that and then they go Right, so Jody knows Mark. I haven't met Mark yet, but I want to meet Mark, so I'll get closer to Jody. But hang on a second, right? So Jody knows X, Y, and Z, and I want to meet X, Y, and Z. Why? Because I want to meet more people. I want to broaden my network. I want to, you know, just learn. Just learn. Learn from people. Like, that's the best way to learn, I think. It's just reading people and not looking at them because, oh, well, such a body said she's this, he's that. Right, hang on a second. Right, I'll go find out for myself. You know, go and actually go meet the person or, you know, if you see them, go over to them, talk to them, and then make your, your judgment or then make your opinion of them. And from that, even making that opinion or judgment, which is like you should never make a judgment on somebody, but they're going to give off a reading of who they are, you learn. So they give out who they are. You take that in. You accept that. You know, you never pass comment or judgment on it. But when they give that out and you take it in and you meet them, you're then learning. And I think then you learn about yourself then. And then that goes back to Carl Jung's quote. You get to find yourself then. But uh, yeah. legend, brother, I'll let you go. Boss, appreciate it, brother. Thank you so much, brother. Are you going to jump in tomorrow, did you say? Or? Yeah, tomorrow, 100%. Coffee and a little bit of conversation.